0: Hi, I'm Druthi Shah, and this is my podcast, Have You Thought About. Thank you for joining us for season 2. I'm a writer and I love to find out about what passions people are pursuing and also what makes them tick. The podcast is for those that are reckoning and tired of being told you can really only have one focus or just one thing that makes you you. In each edition, I'm going to chat with someone who breaks these lines and who's managed to fit things together in their life or profession that you might not think of as an obvious match. You're about to hear me chatting with Asa Ambrose, a multidisciplinary creative musician and self-proclaimed geek.
1: You've had quite an interesting journey on becoming a musician. I knew since I was little that I wanted to be a writer because I've I've just, you know, always been creative. And that comes from sort of being on the spectrum with the ADHD and the autism. It's like my main outlet was anything creative that I could do. And I loved storytelling in like any kind of format. So, you know, when I was younger, I would write scripts poetry, stories, songs, and that would just be like a constant thing, but it was more, being an author was always my goal. And I took creative writing at college, but then I got really sick halfway through college and I had to drop out. To be honest, I, I just wasn't finding fulfillment in that like completely, alongside doing writing, and everything growing up. I also, you know, I did musical theatre and like for my uh, birthday, I think I was like 14, 15, my mum paid to have a bunch of songs that I'd written, just made into like a little EP, like to go to a recording studio locally and record it. And that's the first time I'd had any of my songs recorded and they're all up on YouTube now, terrible quality, but you know, (laughs) that was initially where I started. And funnily enough, even though I was obviously just under 16 at the time, and I just released that for fun on YouTube, BBC Introducing actually picked it up and they played it on their show and that is kind of what made me consider combining like everything that I love doing into sort of one so instead of just being a writer or you know just being a musician I figured why not combine all of it because I see myself more as a concept artist anyway so if I'm writing these stories then what other mediums can I use to like tell it so I'd have like one story And then I'd like make a soundtrack to it and then I'd release the soundtrack and I'd do a bunch of art and maybe release like a little book to go along with it like that. Then do maybe like a short film to go along with it. It was more of a compulsion when I've got a story in my head. It stays there until I get it out in some physical format.
0: Clearly a lot of creative
1: energy. Like
0: I've been told I have a lot of creative energy that I need to burn. It sounds like you have even more so. On one hand, we don't want to label you and that's the point of the podcast. But what
1: genres do you prefer dabbling in? I usually go by the mantle of a genre bender so i I like to merge genres and it depends on the story because like the second ep that i released properly with that same studio the life and death of lady faye and that was kind of like my first proper go at having like a full concept thing and that was like each song was supposed to reflect a different era of music because it was this like time traveling rock star. So each song would reflect that period. So there's like some synth pop from the 80s. There's some glam rock. There's loads of stuff. And the new EP has like reggae on it, blues, funk, everything. But rock and punk are kind of my two sort of core genres I think mainly because so many of the genres I love influence those genres to you know be what they are but also because there's so much freedom within those genres to genre mix yeah like if you listen to my stuff it weirdly it's it's if you listen to certain things out of context it does still work like you don't need to know the story to listen to the songs necessarily and I don't just do songs that are concepts sometimes I do music for fun like you said it's kind of weird with labels it's difficult because in the industry you do kind of have to label yourself as something to be marketable but then when you're spread in so many different directions the only way to sort of market yourself is as a kind of genre bender but then that applies to music and then when you you know look at sort of a medium format oh yeah this is on the stage or it's also being shown in cinemas or it's in a book reading like there's so many different things it's like hard to sort of know what to call yourself other than I guess a content creator
0: but then when you have a content creator that's a very used term at the moment and you're I'm not even going to say you're at the start of your career because you have been doing this for quite a while now is there anything that makes you feel far more comfortable I guess comfortable uncomfortable when it comes to the creation of content because content creator seems a little bit bland for everything that you're offering (laughs)
1: <laughs> demand for it because I always started just doing it as a compulsion because I love to do it because it was stuck in my head so I needed to get the story out and it would be like oh I've got a really cool idea and like oh this is a cool thing that I could do for this idea and it would just be fun but, you know, as, as you grow up and people start to sort of see you are good at something and insist that you make that a career because you've got to make a living somehow, it becomes supply and demand. So when you're independent, like myself, like I'm not on any labels, I'm not currently working with any studios. So I produce everything from home, from my room, being chronically ill as well. You know, that's kind of like a compulsory measure for me because I can't travel a lot of the time. So when you've got people in the industry take notice of you and like what you're doing. They're understanding to an extent but there is the challenge of them being like right well you've done this great and we want to promote you we want to endorse you which means you need to keep doing it and you need to keep making content not just content that you like but content that's relevant and trending you need to take hold of the hype and the problem is that my whole persona was created to go against all of that it's kind of trying to find the balance I guess, between that to turn what I love doing and the only thing that I am able to do into a sustainable career, especially after like a pandemic. I know that everyone says it's over, but like for the creatives, for us, I know you know, like it's absolutely not over. It's like, it's a massive struggle to get any kind of work. It feels like it's being used as an excuse by
0: a lot of people in terms of, oh, we can't pay you this or we can't do this because of the pandemic. And you're like, that's interesting. You come from an underrepresented background. There's very few people like you, whether you're busting genres, you know, in terms of your heritage, you talked about the illness. And I want to sort of go back to that as well. How are you managing to stay resilient, to keep going, to keep thriving, bearing in mind that you are a minority within a minority within a minority who's trying to be creative and then that in itself as you say it's not easy
1: i'd like to be one of those people that are like you know oh yeah it's it's a struggle but you just got to power through and, and all of this and take opportunities but because I, I am that person that is the the sort of mentality that i try to put out but i think a lot of my issues with dealing with any kind of struggles that pop up whatever minority part of me is facing that specific struggle the issue is that i've spent my whole career sort of glossing over it and being that person to be like, you just got to power through. When you're used as a diversity card, just let it happen. Take the opportunity. You're lucky to have it. You know, mental health, physical health, on top of having to deal with any kind of bigotry, bias, obstacles, anything that's systemically put there to keep you back, it's exhausting and it's very draining and it does sort of take a toll on your soul and if you don't have a good network and support system the thing that you love doing the most can be the thing that not just takes you down but like you'll you'll lose your passion for it I lost my passion for writing prose and stuff like that um, in college because I was facing so many different adversaries that I hadn't been trained or taught how to deal with at all and I did sort of crumble under the pressure with that I ended up dropping out of college and having to find my own way to deal with it, which was instead joining a new college to do music and then trying to obviously find that balance. But it's it's difficult as well being isolated. I think that's the worst part of it because your creativity can take you so many places and meet so many amazing people and, you know, you can connect and, make art essentially to reflect what you're going through so that people can understand what you're going through which is what my next EP is about but when you are dealing with something like chronic illness especially one that keeps you at home it's an extra layer that people don't really think about because when your whole thing is performing and performing live and being highly energetic and just expressing yourself through music whatever it is and then that's the one thing that you can't do like the, the thing you enjoy most about the thing you do is the one thing that could make you sick It's like you need to sort of find an anchor to actually keep you going and to remind you why you're doing it and that you do it because you love to do it, not just because it's required of you, I guess. And it's I think people are the most important about that, having a team, having at least one person on your team um, that you can build with. They're the ones that ground you into that.
0: How are you managing to take that public persona, which is ace, and maintain a degree of privacy or
1: a degree of your own yeah self. Uh, it, it's it's actually it's interesting you that because uh that's a conversation i've had like a, a couple of times this week because i've been having a sort of general identity crisis that's kind of my thing as a as a person i've had so many different characters you know before ace ambrose there was ace oddity have been quite a few because it depends on whether i'm doing a character for the ep or just going by ace as my creative moniker but the origin of Ace is is kind of weird because obviously you know me as Hadassah. That's how my family know me. But I actually named myself and created the character of Ace because of the story of Hadassah in the Bible that Esther, like, you know, she changed her name to Esther to get where she needed to be to make the right change because she knew that under her own name she couldn't get there. And so, you know, once she got there and she achieved it, she went by her own name, she told the truth, she did everything and she was herself. And so with me, I knew that going by my actual like, birth given name was going to be another obstacle. It was going to be something that would hold me back, even though I love my name and what it stands for. In the industry I wanted to go into, you need something snappy and memorable and like all the microaggressions that I was so used to dealing with. You know, people just not even not learning or wanting to say my name. It was like, you know, oh, Hadassah, I can't say that, even though Melissa is exactly you know what I mean? It's it's the same. It's just not. And I, I always pointed that out, and it it was always just such a big deal. And I never understood why, but because I found comfort in characters, I decided to create my own and sort of go about it that way. And you know, one day I may drop Ace and just go by Hadassah Miriam Shah. Just go by my full name because I feel like as a creative name it would work. You know, it has power to it. But right now, Ace is just how I present, and it's sort of the person I want to be seen as. Because I, I spent so long being seen as, you know, the artist who was sick or like, you know, the, everything that about you that's negative is how people define you. And I wanted Ace just to be one thing. But having a sense of self is difficult because then when you meet people that didn't know you before, they kind of just sort of treat you like a fictional character i don't know if that makes sense but it's, it's really weird when you actually have to deal with it they forget that you are a person or a whole like being outside of the internet and outside of what i present because i have a comic like i've got a comic in the works with ace being in that so people are so used to seeing this character fictionally like like the gorillas for example you know it's one of my favorite bands but those characters aren't real that is a band behind the characters whereas with ace what you see is what you get like the character is the person you know you'd mentioned the adhd
0: before which a lot of women actually are discussing right now in terms of actually having diagnoses how are you embracing everything that's part of you like the adhd the chronic illness and using it in a way
1: that helps you be both hadassah perhaps be ace as well that's something I need to work on doing because I've let it overwhelm me if anything I, I didn't really know until the last two years that one you know what everything with the way that my brain is working the, the reason why you know when the pandemic came like all of my coping mechanisms fell apart was because I've got all you know autism and ADHD both undiagnosed unmedicated and now in burnout because of that and so having to to take that and to take like you said all of the different things making it sort of something that you need to embrace in in terms of being proud of it and owning it i think talking just talking about it now and actually you know not being afraid to talk about it cuz before i was like i was so code switchy i was like i was like no matter what i did interview wise or like you know public appearances i had this kind of you need to talk in your controlled accent, you need to talk, you have to mask this personality trait. You need to, oh yeah, don't have too much energy when you're talking about this. And it's like, it gives you a headache. because you like It's like you're constantly trying to control literally everything about you that's being perceived by other people. And then, and I just kind of sort of forgot the whole reason I created Ace was to be unapologetic about all of that stuff. And it's like, yeah, if I'm extremely high energy one moment and then so low mood and, like, depressed and just, like, you know, the next, I'm like, you're just going to have to take that as it is. That's ace. That's right there. And that's, like, if I can put that into a comic or, you know, a music video or something and make that public in, not in a woe is me way, but in a, like, this is what I'm dealing with and it sucks and it's awful and it's not all there is to my life, but it is a part of it. And then that's kind of my way of other people seeing that as, You know, not as a person, but as a character, because people relate to characters more than they do actual people more often than not. And that does help other people that are going through a similar thing, whether it's dealing with it or just knowing someone else is going through something similar, because that's literally how I found out that I have it. You know, I I saw other people talking about it online, their like experiences, whatever. and, And I was just like, I felt kind of just validated. And that was the first step into getting treated for any of this stuff is just to be told that you're not nuts that like everything you're going through is real whether it's in your head or or whatever it is it is happening to you and it's you're not the only one that it's happening to so there is resources out there to deal with it
0: and talking of resources we were talking briefly when we first started saying oh should we do the podcast Nerd culture apparently gets your geek on. Like, what does that mean, and how does that shape you?
1: Oh, uh, it's like my favorite thing about myself—that is the nerdism. It's just the ability to sort of find joy in that, because you know, I, right now I've like been being ill. I struggle to find joy in a lot of things because a lot of my dopamine came from physical activities, which I've had to quit doing, like dance, gymnastics, all of that when I was younger. So music is the only outlet I have now, but just I'm a fat nerd. Uh, I, ever since I get that, mate, both from both my parents, but mostly my dad, cause he was like a huge sci-fi geek. I don't know. I guess Doctor Who I think is like 80% of my personality. Like I, even Ace is named after my favorite Doctor Who companion, Ace, who was a punk and she beat up Daleks with a baseball bat and loved to blow things up and go against the system. And she was just really cool. And like, it was the first character that I saw that like on TV that I could resonate with in like a really weird way. But bearing in mind that was like back in the what 70s or 80s, like my mum got me a box set. And I've, I've seen every single episode of Doctor Who since the 60s, since the first Doctor up to present day, plus the audio books, everything. <laughs> and I was just like, that's what I grew up on. And like, growing up, like we said earlier, when you're, dif- when you're a minority within a minority and you're literally, you tick. Every single box is <laughs> like it's so difficult to find a place where you fit in as a person because it's like even within your minority group you don't fit because you represent so many other things and you're spread so thinly. It's like sometimes you're not enough of one thing to be accepted in that community or too much of something else. So with the doctor that character specifically, the whimsical attitude, they're like the aesthetic. It also has this whole thing of just like praising knowledge. It's like learning is is cool I guess it's just like it was used to make learning fun but like apply it to you know real day in in certain ways and i just sort of i was like i don't know who i am or how i'm supposed to dress in this world i don't know what i'm supposed to do what social norms to follow and then i found this show i was like right <laughs> i was like i'm if i'm going to get any lessons from any character the doctor probably shouldn't be one cuz in in the show he kind of commits genocide a little bit but aside to all of apart that, that, <laughs> apart from that aside to all, he didn't in the end it was a plot twist but that's what i mean it's like even creatively the the stories and the way that it's written over 60 years is insane And it's still going and it's still a character that's relatable, even though they change their face and their gender. And and it doesn't matter, like any kind of minority can see themselves in this character. You don't have to be a minority, but like it's obviously extra important for those people because, you know, we are only starting to see ourselves in media very recently represented and even that is sort of called, like, like I said, it's like we're treated like the diversity card and, and like, oh, yeah, you're only represented to make a point. And instead of having natural representation, which is why I was also like coming to terms with the fact that when I'm doing something creatively, I'm becoming that representation for someone else like me. and. I was like I want to be what Doctor Who was to me you know like I'm a massive nerd I'm for the nerds I want to be a character that other people can see themselves in that kind of also with with the nerd thing it it the community is so tight knit and loyal and like I think even just nerd that's an underrepresented community like the fans are becoming part of the shows that they're a fan of now because the, the appreciation for the fans are the people that keep shows and anything that they're a fan of going because they're the consumer. When you're a fan that managed to get to that point and now you're the thing, it's 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 really surreal. It's weird. We need to get Hadassah, we need to get Ace onto some sort of Doctor Who episode oh, I, situation. That's <laughs> my goal. It's my, honestly, it's been my one goal. If I don't achieve anything else, I want to either be the Doctor or be a companion or have a cameo in it as either ace or some sort of character in Doctor Who. That's always been my life's mission.
0: Well, you never know. Honestly, sometimes I think it's worth saying something and then seeing where the ripple effect takes you. So you Trust never, me. never know what could happen off the back of this. You never make any promises, but you never know. You also Doctor rescue greyhounds so very quickly can you tell us a bit more about why that's so important to you and
1: how that contributes to who you are that was like an unintentional thing because I think I remember getting our first when I was in year seven yeah I think I just joined secondary school when we got our, our first because originally I wanted a cat and I was desperate for a cat and this was like you know this was a, a long time ago and like it was sort of when um Cats Protection had all the posters up everywhere of cats that needed to be adopted and, and I grew up in London like around a lot of cats in the flats and so I, was just, I just loved cats so I wanted a cat. We went to town one time like just full family we were like oh yeah let's go see sort of we want a pet so let's go see what there is and we knew we wanted to like rescue something or adopt something because that's I don't know it's kind of in our, our nature of, of just sort of pre- preference. But honestly, I have no idea what happened, but I think my dad just either found her online or just saw like a post saying, you know, Someone needs to adopt this greyhound, but he uh, he fell in love with Candy, and she was I think she was called Sandy before, but she was just beautiful, and yeah, she was just an ex-racer and ex-champion racer, and she just needed adopting, and he he saw her. Mum me always made the joke that he loved blondes, so that's why he <laughs> he saw a blonde greyhound, and he was like, having you. And after that, we just we just fell in love with her completely, and and we ended up getting a second Lucy, and it turned out they were cousins as well, and they they both descended from like the same breeder, and they were both ex champions, and like it's crazy because we didn't know obviously know this information when we adopted them. They both come from kind of traumatic pasts, and but we thought we could like give them the best life, and then our latest one is Comet, and he's uh like he's the only one that's with us at the moment, and um he's got so much personality it's absolutely ridiculous he's so sassy that he does this thing where he literally just like huffs at you if you stop petting him or like don't pay attention he'll literally go like he'll give you a side eye like and make it like a point of just going (sighs) he's used to be a therapy dog as well and that's kind of what he is to me you know with my range of disorders he's sort of my main comfort rescuing animals in general like, I've always loved all kinds of animals I wanted to have a snake I'm more of a reptile person than myself but I want to have a snake and an owl and we used to have hamsters and like, I don't know I, I would have if I lived by myself I would just have like an animal sanctuary as as a home of just like rescued pets <laughs> I just like I like taking animals that are not that just come from like you know bad situations but it's just I, I know because of what I've been through as a person you, you relate to an animal that that's been through the same and it's it's weird it's like you give each other comfort in that kind of way what does the future look like for ace right now like what keeps you in the light honestly i i have this upcoming ep that i've been working on since the start of the, well i started the concept for it before the pandemic and funnily enough it it's a doomsday ep concept ep and a lot of what actually happened in real life reflects you know the ep and that's um It's coincidental but also very sort of, I guess, apt because I started creating the EP or the concept for it and obviously not just an EP, it's a comic, uh, short film, loads of stuff around the concept. Supposed to be sort of, uh, it's called Doomsday, was yesterday and it's based in a parallel universe to this one, a kind of dystopian Orwellian type world, a bit darker and so the apocalypse has already happened and it's like where any conspiracy theory potentially has come true in this universe and the parallel version of me is stuck in a doomsday bunker, and they're basically isolated and broadcasting music and, and, like, you know, messages of hope in this from this bunker and that, hoping that someone can hear them. And it's supposed to reflect what it was like, you know, being chronically ill, making music during the pandemic from my room. And that's kind of what I'm focusing on at the moment. It's it's an EP, but it's also going to be a, a live stage show and a comic.
0: Fantastic. And I guess and finally, if people do want to hear your back catalogue or find out more about where Ace's
1: where are you situated in in the social world? Well, you type Ace Ambrose in, I'll pop up all over the shop. I've, I've got my, my fingers in a lot of pies. So, I mean, it depends what you want to see. If you want to listen to my music, I'm on Spotify. If you want to see the artwork, Instagram is the best place to go. Um, most of my comic artwork is on my co-collaborator, Nerdy and Niche, uh, Curtis Cripps. He does all my artwork. Absolutely amazing. Uh, and all the comic work is going to be on, on that side i'm getting back into youtube and twitch because i do want to have a live element online when i can't be in person so you know that i can connect with people uh and i've just started trying to do tiktok which is i know <laughs> i know I'm, I'm easing into it all my mates have gone viral already and i'm so far behind because it's just the relentless content and they like my adhd is just stuck in doom scrolling mode so <laughs> i'm just i'm learning but i will get there um but yeah, like like type in Ace Ambrose and uh, I, I will pop up and you can peruse at your will.
0: The wonderful Ace Ambrose, who loves to bend genres. Do check out all of Ace's creations. Do you have an interdisciplinary life? Because I would love to hear from you. And maybe we can chat on this podcast that goes with my newsletter, which is called Have You Thought About? and can be found via www.drutishaw.com. Please join me next time for a fun conversation with another guest who likes to mix up lots of things in their life. If you like the podcast, do share, rate and review. It's an independent podcast, and if you find it helpful, then let people know. Thanks to Rian Shah for the music.